Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special podcast on the conventional line. Today, I'm joined by someone who has graced our ears for as long as I can remember and given us indelible renditions to some of the most magical moments in the Bundesliga. I'm joined by Mr. Phil Bonney. How are you, sir? I'm very well. Uh, that's a that's a very big uh, announcement to, to get me into the show. Thank you very much. Uh, adorning people's ears makes me sound like a, a set of earrings, but uh, <laughs> very happy to be here. Uh, fantastic, sir. So, again, I think most of us would know you for your rip-roaring commentary, you know, that adds a very tangible layer to German football. But again, you started off as just a kid from the south coast of England who was upset at his grandfather for not taking him to the games early on. So how did those two worlds meet? Like, what was that journey like? Uh, you're, you're very well read. You've, you've certainly <laughs> done your homework on me. And uh, indeed, my job is is just, just like that. It's like yours. Do your homework. Make sure you know what you're talking about. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a strange thing. I suppose the thing that... you connects everything to everything else is football I've always loved football um from my first experience well one of my first memories is kicking a ball against a wall and and practicing for hours in the back garden my grandfather would throw the ball up in the air and I'd have to head it back to him or uh, trap it or volley it uh, obviously these days not so much of the heading goes on uh, amongst young kids but that was my first major influence in in the whole thing was that I just loved I loved the game of football um was never particularly brilliant at it and to give to give you some kind of uh level I was in the school team but I was very often on the bench so (laughs) it didn't get past it didn't get past there I had a few injuries as well but I I don't think I was ever would ever have been good enough I mean I still at the moment, we're not allowed to play, but I still play twice a week uh, when when that's possible. So uh, even at 56, it doesn't. The problem is your brain stays uh, at 20, even though your body moves on. And uh, when that ball comes over and you think, yeah, that's an overhead bicycle kick, <laughs> right nice there, then you go for it. But uh, you, you, you're in it, when you're an experienced idiot, uh, you, you know what the consequences are if you don't land properly. But uh, that was, I suppose, that's what con- connects me to the football. All the way through my life, I played for, uh, I was in the Cub Scouts. I played there. I was youth clubs. I played there. I was uh, um, at university. And when I went on to, to uh, rather to, to drama school, um, I played for the, the, the team there. I've always, I've always played. I've always loved football. Um, and I've also always liked the sound of my own voice, uh, which <laughs> has been quite handy. Um, I decided at a young age that I wanted to be an actor. Right. And uh, that, I suppose, is the other parallel path that brought me eventually uh, to football because I, I was lucky enough to audition and get accepted in one of the really big drama schools in, in the UK. Right. Uh, I, I did three years there at the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art, um, after which I... Uh, like most actors it, it's 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 very tough to make a living as an actor uh, anywhere in the world and um my my wife who i met while i was at drama school uh, was offered a job in germany and so 25 years ago we packed everything up and, and moved across as my career wasn't particularly going anywhere fast um that then enabled me to work in theater in, in germany because um 
when you do come in from a foreign country, especially uh, a country like England that has has, has a marvellous connection to Shakespeare and, and the classics, of course, you bring a different slant into theatre productions uh, when you came. Although I didn't know any, I didn't know any German at all when I when I really when I right. first came over. And just outside of you know, I, I, where's where's the toilet, please? And uh, <laughs> I, I'll have another uh, pint of that or another glass of that lovely beer that they serve around here. The all important um, question. The all important question, you, as as ever, wherever you go in the world, you learn the important things first. Uh, first right. of all, when you're being when you're being insulted, and secondly, when you need to to have things for yourself. <laughs> then I started working here in the theatre in, in in Germany and uh, doing voiceovers um, as a voiceover artist. Uh, really, it was for all sorts of things, but I, I did a lot of work at the Deutsche Welle. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is the I'm sure most people are aware or a lot of people are aware of it. It's, it's a bit like the the world service broadcaster for Germany. Um, but they had uh, lots of documentaries that were produced in German. And then we, we put English voices on uh, over the top. And one of the guys that I worked with, one of the directors there was uh, a gentleman called Toby Charles, who Indeed. was... <laughs> uh, was and is uh, an absolute legend uh, in the business, especially uh, um, he's very well known in America and, of course, in uh, India and, and, and Africa as well, because that's where mm. we have a lot of uh, uh, loyal Bundesliga fans. But he turned around one day and we'd always, we always talked about football and uh, he's a big Borussia Mönchengladbach, uh, Gladbach fan, by the way. Um, and he would uh, he would always... Uh, talk about uh, gladdy as he called them and, and and we would swap stories of uh, our football love and then one day he just turned around and said the Bundesliga are looking for somebody to commentate uh, and I think you might want to give that a go and uh, I agreed with him and uh, I did an audition as it sort of were and uh, nearly 20 years later here I am talking to you. <laughs> Um, so yeah, you mentioned Toby Charles and who played a massive role in your journey as a commentator. Uh, as like I think you've mentioned him taking you under his wing. Uh, but what was Very that initial so. right? So um, what was that initial time as a commentator like? Like any initial hurdles when it came to the do's and don'ts that you remember? Oh yes, there were loads. <laughs> right. um, there was there was a, there was there was a, there was a lot because what. What, what I don't think a lot of people may may think about is that when you're a young commentator, you very often don't get to commentate that many games. You may only commentate one in uh, every month. And right. what, what you really need, a bit like football players, is that some of them need a, a bit of a run um, in, in the squad or, or in the starting 11. Uh, Nicholas, uh, uh, Lucas Solario. Um, for Leverkusen is a very good example. He's having a bit of a run this mm-hmm. season and he's doing fantastically for them now. Um, but he wasn't getting much game time before. So I suppose it is a bit about game time uh, because you need to develop your, your your talents. And a lot of the time, it's a bit like penalty shootouts with, with the pressure that's on them. You can only really re- recapture that in the actual situation itself. Uh, you can't really... Well, there's there's no room for failure um, because right. people are expecting a product, and uh, if the if the listeners get somebody who sort of doesn't know what they're doing and stumbles over their words and doesn't recognise the players, then there will be a letter of complaint or two. <laughs> but in terms of starting out, things to watch out for, 
Toby was very um we, we did actually have once have a falling out because I said to right. him, I have to write it I have to write it down so that I can understand it, not that you can understand it. Uh, when we were talking <laughs> about the research and he was very sort of well, if you think you know it all, then just get on with it then. <laughs> so I apologize for afterwards. I think possibly my tone of voice wasn't uh, wasn't too pleasant. Uh, that's stress will do that to you. But uh, he, he gave me some really uh, good advice. He, right at the beginning, he said, never try, never try and convince the audience that they're watching something spectacular when it's when it's an absolute horrible worst game you've ever seen because regardless of how much football people watch they can tell if it's not very exciting so you don't course, need to, yeah. to 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 dress it up you, you have to say why it's not a good game and what they could do to improve it and maybe the substitutions they could make but uh that that was one thing that uh, that he, he said to me the other thing is he said is always talk about what you can see um rather than um, about what the audience can't see always always have in your mind what they're watching those those right. sort of things were very useful in the beginning that's that's quite fascinating but like as you said that the margin for error is quite low especially at the start because the time you get is limited that's, well, that's a lot to expect it, right it, it it is but then if um just a little bit of my family history my father was a shoe repairer uh, mm-hmm. and he repaired shoes you can't take on an apprentice to repair someone's shoes because the person who wants the shoes repaired wants them done to a high standard that the apprentice right. can't manage so uh, that was one of the reasons my father said you're not going to come and work with me you're going to do something else. <laughs> <laughs> because you can't give somebody back their pair of shoes that have got worse holes in them than where they started uh, it, it, it is a high a high pressure um thing when you first start out to, and when you actually are, are given games uh you can be quite nervous and I'm still nervous uh, even today if I get the the Classica or, or one of the big, you know, like the Revere Derby. Uh, there's a certain amount of nerves goes on, but it's it's a good set of nerves. Like I, I I like them. Right, because like from an outsider, commentary just seems like such a consuming profession, just based on how immersed you have to be in into the action. Um, does that ever become a hindrance when it comes to keeping up maybe with the bigger narrative or the bigger picture of the game? I can only, again, I can only talk for myself, but I, I watch, I watch the football, and, and I like to play football, right. and I know how difficult it is to do things. But when people do things really well, and really go for it, I, I get sucked into the game, and 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 the whole narrative. Maybe I get that just through uh, intuitive uh, feeling, but I. I if the football's exciting, I get excited. It's 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 quite simple. Right. But like for example, when like you have to maybe analyze the game, like you know when the, like during halftime, uh, is there any time where you maybe fail to remember the the exact sequence of the narrative of the game, or does that just come very naturally to you? Um, very often because you concentrated on it so hard, it, it, right. it's not a problem. But uh, to be honest, if I get into difficulties and I'm with a, a co-com, I, I, they're the expert. I ask them. I just let them. Take <laughs> there you go. That's <laughs> what they're there for. <laughs> because that was the one thing that I was thinking about. And as you like, as you just mentioned, that um, when you watch the game and you played the game before to an extent, so you know uh, how hard it is. Uh, some of the things that these players are able to pull off, and that must give you a certain sense of appreciation for the game. And I think. In commentary, sometimes we do see 
commentators like they just say that that was a golden opportunity missed and that may be that may be the case but i think you may realize quicker that that was an insanely hard thing to pull off in the first place i i think you're absolutely right i think there there are some of my colleagues haven't really played and you don't necessarily need to have played to any kind of level it's the same with carpentry if if the table's wobbly you know one leg is uh, uh, shorter than the other three so you can spot that sort of thing but as 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 a fan i i spot commentators when they talk about a hundred percent uh chance or or when they talk about a golden chance right. going begging and um, the balls come over and Lewandowski's just managed to get his 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 toe to it and steered it just wide of, of the goal and i'm thinking my goodness how did he even get a touch on that ball he was he certainly shouldn't have done under the circumstance and you can tell or i can tell i don't know i think a lot of people can tell if if a commentator has played football to any kind of length because you 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 know what what uh, what is and what isn't uh, possible right speaking of Lewandowski i think we can move on to maybe the current state of football because this season, the Bundesliga has seen, I think football has seen uh, quite a high number of injuries and in a way turmoil in, in terms of how teams play and how uh, how managers have to maybe shuffle about their teams, especially when some of the teams have to play European football. But I think the one trend we have noticed over the past decade or two would be the dominance of Bayern Munich. And... And I think that does come uh, much to the chagrin of any fan watching who isn't a Bayern fan, because even for a neutral, it's tough to get into the game. Because if, uh, especially in German football and many other leagues where you see the same team continuously winning, do you think? What do you think is the most important contributing factor to the long-term dominance of Bayern? Oh well, that's uh, that's an easy uh, easy answer. It's, it's money. They got more money than right. everyone else. <laughs> they got more money. They win more things. More players want to play for them. Um, I yeah. It, it's the way the world is. Uh, and, yeah. Unless unless everybody has the same amount of money, then right. players are always. Uh, the Premier League is a marvelous example. Players want to play in the Premier League. Um, lots of people will tell you because it's for from talent and skill and speed uh, it's the best but uh, i think you'll also find that the majority of them wouldn't swap it for half the pay as it were uh, I, th- I think they're very happy getting paid a lot of money to play football uh, who who wouldn't be uh, i can't blame anybody for for, right. for getting the best wages they can uh, we we all do it but it, it in a way it's a kind of naivety that we all think that it's fair Football's not fair at all. Uh, yeah, it's not. Ask, yeah. ask, ask the sides like uh, Armenia Bielefeld, uh, Paderborn. <laughs> do, do they ever think they've they've got a, a a chance at a run in 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 Europe or the Champions League? And no, it's it's and it's not going to happen because they don't have the money, they don't have the players, they can't attract the players. Um, everybody has to be satisfied that the team with the most money and the biggest kudos and the, and the and the best players will pretty much win everything every year. It's extreme. In, in the Bundesliga at the moment, the last eight years has been dominated by Bayern. Mm-hmm. Um, but the UK, uh, the, the, the Premier League has a, a similar situation that is dominated by the top six teams. Um, Spain, pretty much uh, a two horse race every season there. Um, we've all come to accept that the, the Champions League has, has overtaken 
there you really see who's got what um because the the the, the, the there is only a certain amount of money after which it becomes ridiculous unless you're paying a hundred mm-hmm. million for every single player that you buy. Right. Um, <laughs> but but there they that's where buying come uh, well they didn't last season but uh, buying can come unstuck or Manchester City can come unstuck Paris Saint Germain for all their money haven't managed to 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 win the the whole thing yet. Um, but I just think it's naive of us the 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 audience the the, the crowd the the fans uh, to think if if you want to success as a football club don't support someone like my team, like Southampton in, in the UK, you need to support <laughs> Liverpool or Manchester City, then you're going to win things. Like my team Southampton did in 1976, when in the second division, we beat Manchester United uh, 1-0 in the FA Cup final. Mm-hmm. I, I, I will go to my grave um, with that possibly being the most happiest footballing day of my life when I was 12 years old. Um, <laughs> but there, there, is, there is a difference. There are, there, there are people that support clubs or or even players because they're successful and and everybody's allowed to do that of course you you're you're within your total rights to do that i just think it's a little naive to then turn around and go oh well the bundesliga is not very uh, um you know not very open competition because Bayern win everything well yes they do because they have all the money and 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 life is the same you can't tell me that somebody uh, who works in accounting behind a shop can afford the same kind of holidays as somebody uh, who is who is a um, a banker in Frankfurt. Uh, right. It's 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 the world is different, and unfortunately, some people have more money than others. If we all had the same amount, it would be a very different uh, league. If they were only allowed to spend a certain amount, and this is this opens up the whole. Uh, you've got me on a on a one of my pet uh, subjects here. This opens <laughs> right. up the whole money thing. Is it? good money, old fashioned money that's been hard earned, or is it money that's suddenly been tipped into a club like with uh, Leipzig? Leipzig yeah. And and then the old school people um, will argue, oh no, this is this is terrible, terrible what Leipzig are doing. It's 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 an insult to fan culture and football as it is, um, as it stands. I used to have these arguments with my father all the time uh, <laughs> about about Chelsea and uh, when when Abramovich Course, uh, came yeah. in. To, to to and obviously Manchester City have had a I think all of those top clubs uh, have money poured over them by various different uh, owners and uh, sponsors but yes this is the thing if you want people to have if if, if you want a, a a league that has a little more competition in it then you can't make it a league that has such a, a difference between the wealthy sides and 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 the and the less wealthier sides because we all know that you're not going to get the same. Right. No, no one's, no one's going to, no one's going to go to Bielefeld if Bayern want them because True. of the money. Yeah, I, I do see that, and I think the way the German culture works. I mean, I speak uh, from the perspective of an outsider, but we do see this. This, this, this is this is a very common thing in uh, in German football that any team that tries to maybe break out of the norm is lambasted for breaking tradition. But I think that is the way football is headed. It's, and I think that's the only way a league like the Bundesliga can become competitive, unfortunately. Well, I, I, I sort of uh, uh, agree with you, Raul, because you, on the one hand, you say, oh, yes, tradition. Tradition is great. I love tradition. Tradition is fantastic. Right. If you traditionally want Bayern München to win the league every single year, then that's the tradition you're going to get because no one will get near them. Right. Um, 
At the moment, they're one point ahead of Dortmund and Leverkusen, two points ahead of Leipzig. Leipzig and Bayern meet in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, it's closer again at the moment. We thought mm-hmm. it was going to be close last season, and in the end, Bayern just ran away with it, and deservedly so. They were fantastic. Um, I, I do, I do have a bit of a. I, I argue quite a lot with people, uh, also right. people I work with. It's, I mean, it's a topic that, um, alongside the handball and the offside rule, the uh, the money thing is is what occupies our conversations most of the time. I, I feel, um, Bayern have earned their money by careful management, by being successful, and they thoroughly deserve everything they get. But at the same time, if you're a fan of probably Schalke is not the right word, uh, 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 <laughs> team to use right now because they've got all sorts of trouble. But they, they've been trying to rub shoulders with, with, with the richer sides for, for lots of years. They're, financially, I, I, I believe they are uh, not as stable as they'd like to be. Um, and obviously, everybody wants to be top of the table. Everybody wants to beat Bayern and Dortmund and beat Leverkusen. But at the same time, it, if you want it to stay as it is, with the way television money is divided up, um, it's it's just a fact that if you're looking for this tradition and saying we don't want to change the 50 plus one rule, uh, then you're going to have to be satisfied to be playing for second place every season unless you're a Bayern fan. Uh, um, that might sound a little harsh, right? Um, but uh, you know, it's it's eight years now, eight years on the trot that Bayern have won the league and if they win it again that'll be nine and then ten uh it's almost time to pack up and go home um it's funny because i am a supporter of Bayern munich so um so yeah, i so kind of so you're uh, totally happy you're totally happy yeah. and then you get the Bayern the Bayern thing where if you don't win every game by four or five goals to one or nil then you start to think that the team's a little off what's up with them we only right. won two nil this week uh, right. it's a crazy it's a crazy situation to be in um but it, it does come with the territory. If you're a Bayern fan, you expect to win every weekend. It's like Germany getting beaten by Spain. This mm-hmm. 6-0, it's, it's, it's absolutely mad. But it happens in football. If you, if you supported my side, Southampton, right. you know, you, every now and then you get beaten 9-0. Then you, you take <laughs> it on the chin. It's, it's, not happy. it's not friendly. It's not, it's not a happy thing. Um, you know, we're I'm still, I think we're about fifth in the, in the Premier League right now. Yeah. Um, but for us, this is this is marvellous. When we got to the top of the... Southampton were at the top of the table about three weekends ago uh, because of the way fixtures were working. What was I that like for you? <laughs> I took a screenshot of it because it's the first time in 22 years that we've been at the top of the table. That's right. a, that's something for the Bayern Munich fans don't understand. They've got no comprehension of, of what it means to be at the top of the table just for one week. Mm-hmm. They will moan if they come in. You, you, will, you will moan if you come in at, yeah. <laughs> at the end of the season, which obviously hasn't happened for quite some time. There's going to be a whole generation of young Bayern fans that don't know what. Like uh, <laughs> Javier Martinez, he's won, he's won the Bundesliga every year he's been there. Eight years he's been yeah. Bayern and he's won it every single year. If he doesn't win it, he's going to think something's completely wrong with the universe. <laughs> there you go. I think, yeah, as you said, that it is the perception of a fan. And if you're a Bayern fan, then, you know, this is the way it is. And you don't know otherwise. But let's talk about Dortmund for a second. Because Dortmund, you could say on paper, have a team that could compete for the league. And I think they should, in, in my opinion. Especially with Haaland this season, you know, just looking like the player he, you know, he is touted to be. 
Poland is fantastic. Yeah. So good, right? Just watching him like just score four goals in, in his last game and then two goals last night. But again, against Bayern, he did come a little unstuck. He did get the goal, but he did miss a few chances, and the team just felt off. And in my opinion, when I think Zork had said last season that they're almost playing for second, and that may be you know an, a side indictment of how the league works, but. I think you do need to have a mentality, which I think no team in the Bundesliga apart from Bayern have. Because at least in the last game, Bayern had a few injuries. They lost Kimmich very early on in that game. And Dortmund just did not look like they were going to get that goal. They were looking dangerous, but they were not looking like the team that could maybe beat Bayern because Bayern were always under that control. And I think that does come from the side of mentality and especially last season when Kovac was in charge and Bayern had that humiliating 5-1 loss. Uh, well, you see, there you go. I'm going to interrupt you there. Oh. You say humiliating. This is a typical Bayern <laughs> thing that you've just done. Humiliating 5-1 loss. Do you remember why you only had 10 men on the, the, the field? That's why you right. lost. Right. That's right. why you lost. Right. You can't play with 10 men and still win 5-1. Right. It doesn't happen very often. You know, Boateng was sent off Mm-hmm. For uh, a challenge that uh, yes. you, you can argue yellow card, double yellow or not. Mm-hmm. But the reason they lost was because they were playing uh, a, a side that were well organized and they had one man less for virtually the whole game. Mm-hmm. Bayern yeah. are not superhuman gods. They are just of course a not, yeah. football team. Right, right. They that's can lose 5 Sorry to sort of jump on you there. You say, <laughs> you no, it was a 5 1 loss because you were down to 10 men. That can happen. I but I think, get, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's true. a different sort of side to that. And believe it, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a Bayern hater at all. I think they play fantastic football, and I think they are all well organised. And um, is not for, uh, it's for no, not for no reason that many of the the Germany uh, national side are made up of players that, that that come from from Bayern. But but there is this, uh, yeah. This thing about being a Bayern fan, which you you, you yourself have got, and, mm-hmm. and uh, you're no different from Bayern fans all around the world, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm or, not. Or, you, you, or, or Liverpool fans, or Paris Saint-Germain fans, or Barcelona fans. You know, it's it's this exp- You have a massive expectation, of course you do, because you have a club that does things. Which, mm-hmm. Again, just to go back, Union Berlin, fifth in the table at the moment. This is the highest they've ever been in their entire club's history. They must be excited. These, the these are the heady days. About right. this in years to come, because I can't. I don't know about you, but I don't think Union Berlin will be uh, uh, knocking Bayern off the top spot and going for the Champions League. So mm-hmm. it, it, it's they're having their moment in the sun. Um, Dortmund have got a very young team. Back to what you were talking about, a very very young team with the, with the likes of uh, Bellingham and 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 Reiner and Haaland and Sancho's only just over twenty himself right. as well, like Haaland. So there's there's a lot of youth in that side. I wouldn't have put it past. Uh, I was in the stadium for the the Classica uh, mm-hmm. and uh, Giant uh, Bayern Bayern edged it. Um, I, I think mental or mentality wise is always. You know, it's difficult to 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 just say it's because they don't have it in their heads. I, I, I'm not so sure that that's the case. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Bayern, the, the scoreline was a good reflection of the game. Bayern just edged it in the end. Uh, Haaland scored a goal. He's got much of a, a bright future in front of him. And of course, what happens? The first thing uh, that you start reading in in, in the Twitterverse is uh, how Bayern are going to sign Haaland as soon as he becomes available. <laughs> And right. uh, he's going to play alongside Lewandowski. 
Yeah, I think I don't think that there's any truth to that. But uh, yeah, as much as I would like it to be, but yeah, I think. Well, there you go. You see, I I'm, I'm quite I quite fancy having Orland at Southampton, to be honest. You know, <laughs> see a with Danny Inks, that'd be good. Uh, that that would be. Che Adams just behind them, just. Yeah, yeah, we we'd be quite happy with that. Theo Walcott can set them up for a couple of goals that we need. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's a very good point. But again, Dortmund. I think one last point about them is any player that really start, starts shining, you know, is on is, is on their way out. And if they don't really retain their players, I mean, they were ready to give up uh, Sancho for the high enough price, but because of I think COVID restrictions and the way Manchester United are, they just did not pay up. But I'm sure that you know, if that would have gone through, then you would have seen a typical Dortmund cycle, which is a player starts performing, he leaves. And the team has to get the next big star, which they, you know, to to their credit, well, they normally do. I I I will refer you back uh, here again to uh, um, sounding for Bundesliga man. I'm sounding pretty uh, Premier League centric. I'll refer right. you back to Southampton. If Southampton had all the players that they've sold on in the past, we'd have a massive massive side with Mane and uh, um, Virgil Van Dijk and uh, well Lovren went that way. Shaw, all the players that went to, to Tottenham and Arsenal. We've got a long li- list as long as you are, but it's all about the money. I'll bring you back to that money thing again. Bayern Munich are the only side that can comfortably keep who they like, let go who they like because they don't feel that they're worth um, uh, paying the extra wages that the players are asking for. I don't necessarily mean Alaba. You can refer mm-hmm. back to Tony Calls as well. They have the luxury of being able to pick and choose who plays for them and who they buy. If they want to pay $100 million for a player, they will pay $100 million for a player. Dortmund don't have the assets to do that. So when a rich club comes in and says, we'll give you $100 million for Sancho, then he's pretty much going to be off. I, I think one of the reasons people have... The, 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 the virus, of course, has made people think again about starting uh, careers from a different area, different uh, in a different country again. There was, there was something of that. But I do, I do think that Dortmund drew a line and, and said to Manchester United, no, we want this. And if you're not going to pay that, then you're not having him right now. Mm-hmm. The big danger, of course, is always with players, is, especially when they come to the end of their contracts, is that you could let them go for nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what Bayern are going to do about uh, the uh, Alaba situation. He's apparently not going to disappear at, at, at Christmas. but uh, It's an odd situation. It is if an odd somebody situation, comes in with a, with a big wadge of money, then I'm, I'm sure they'll uh, Bayern will cash in and let him, let him go. As they should, yeah. I think Upamecano is on the target, who has a bafflingly, in my opinion, a bafflingly low release loss of 45 million, which, which I think is a steal for for most clubs. So yeah, he's young, he's young as well, and 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 uh, blatantly very good. Um, right. But uh, you see, but this is the thing, and then you ask yourself, uh, why is why is the Bundesliga not, uh, you know, why why is it just Bayern? Is because as soon as a player pops up like that clubs from all around the world pop up and uh, uh, the player is gone or moves on to Bayern um, I'm not going to do the uh, the finger pointing and saying Bayern always uh, <laughs> buy the best players of every, right. everyone else because everybody does that if they can mm-hmm. you you strengthen your side with the players that you want or if you can indeed uh, 
use your purchasing power to make your position stronger then then of course you do because it's business everybody seems to me to to think that this everything should be fair it's not fair at all <laughs> it's not right. not fair for one bit <laughs> it's uh, it's it's purchasing power it's 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 uh, might and influence and uh, it, everybody would be 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 well uh, served to remember that i think it is a bit bit of a catch 22 because if the bundesliga does this because again the tv revenue is favoring the bigger clubs i.e. bayern um what happens with that is if you do decide to maybe balance it out in some way you can't because bayern is the one getting the revenue and well i'm sorry to interrupt you again i've done that ever so many times my wife tells me it's very rude to do that but you've brought up an, an excellent point uh, right. around the world do people want to watch with all due respect to these clubs and their followers would you rather watch Paderborn against Mainz or would you rather watch Bayern against Frankfurt exactly that's my point that that's and how they will that's be how the works. ones that will be featured they yeah. will be the ones where the revenue will be coming in where the adver- advertisers will be putting their money on so right. it 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 would be like if if we had uh, i don't know if if i worked in a sh- in a restaurant with right. with, uh, with with five other waiters uh and i wasn't actually working that evening would it be fair <laughs> of the other five waiters to give me some of their wages uh, it wouldn't be yeah. not you know, yeah um and th- this is the problem but but it's a self-perpetuating uh, vicious circle because of course everybody exactly. wants to see yeah. Bayern so Bayern get the television the more the, the lion's share of the television money and and the lesser teams uh, the lower teams the less popular the less uh, fashionable teams don't get so either you're all in it together as a league as one as one product and then you sh- should spread that out over which Bayern wouldn't agree to so which Bayern wouldn't agree well would, why would they agree to to shorten how much mm-hmm. money they earn Mm-hmm. Just because they earn more money than everyone else doesn't mean to say that they don't want to continue earning more money than right. everyone else. I mean, <laughs> if you if you put it into a sort of a, a firm point of view, if, if if it's a company, then they are the the, the chairman of the board, whereas right. some of the others are only the the, the postroom uh, uh, workers. It's, it, it's I, and I'm not saying that I uh, agree or disagree or I understand or I've got any way of unraveling this incredible knot, but at, at the same time, it's 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 how it is, and and unless there is some really really dramatic change with the way the money is allowed to be used or the money is earned, then the status quo will stay as it is, and and all the big clubs will be very happy about that. Um, again, you know, Southampton are. A feeder club for Liverpool, and they have to. We we have to mm-hmm. accept that we're a feeder club. We we produce great talent out of the out of the uh, out of the youth academy in the same way that Schalke uh, uh, yep. does. But you, you you look at you look at the uh, the former Schalke players that have all been recently uh, turning out for, for for Bayern. You know, there's a, there's a lot of uh, quality quality youth uh, uh, training programs at, at, at clubs. Freiburg, another example. Lots of good players come out of Freiburg. Every now and then they have a good run, get to the Europa League, finish in sixth or fifth. And what happens? First thing is the, the spine of the team is sold or move on because they've got better offers from, from other clubs. And then right. you, you've got a side like Freiburg uh, in three competitions with a, a squad that hasn't played together much with itself because all, all, the, all the players who are 
whose contract were up or, or, or played well were, were picked off by various different clubs. And uh, a season or two later, they're, they're struggling against relegation. Um, success is, is one of those things that can really shoot you in the foot if you're a small club. Whereas if mm-hmm. you're a big club like Dortmund or Leverkusen or, or, or Bayern, uh, success breeds success. Very good point. Just one final question. I'm sorry to, to keep talking about this. I do want to um, see what you would think about this. Let's say like other teams decide to break the 50 plus one rule and they just get in these rich owners who can just you know put money into teams, make them better, make the league more competitive, and then the, the TV revenue would balance itself out. Is that something that can maybe work at, at the complete cost of tradition? I, I don't think it would work in, in Germany because I don't think that the, the fans would, would, would go for right. that at all. Um, uh, in theory, it's, it's yeah. what's happened in the, in the Premier League is, is, mm-hmm. is the same. You know, I mean, you, you, I keep referring back to my team, Southampton, but we've been bought out by various different people over the last 10 years or so um, to various differing degrees. Uh, it also depends how much money your owners are prepared to put into the side. Um, mm-hmm. I think uh, when when the Liebherr family took over and uh, um, and bought Southampton out of out of their their financial difficulties, uh, and we were in the, in the Premier League, we on paper we were something like the second richest club, but they right. they weren't they weren't uh, pouring the money in like the Abramoviches or, or, or Emirates or, or all the people that uh, are really very in- intent on having the side get to the top of the table so I, I think you would if if they did do away with the 50 plus one rule in, in 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 germany it would become a similar situation instead of having one dominant mega club with with a couple of three or four followers as it were uh you'd probably have three or four dominant clubs and and then it would just be a you know you know qualify for the uh, europa league playoff place amongst mm-hmm. the rest of the clubs um so it, as i said it's it's a very difficult thing i'd I don't know how to suggest to make it more uh, uh, of a competition uh, other than by a salary cap or a wages cap or mm-hmm. something like yeah. that. But again, that's not 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 really my my uh, not not my place to comment uh, comment on. Really, I'm, I'm as as a commentator, I'm definitely more about yeah. the action rather than the politics because yeah uh, yeah it's it's the action that that, that gets me excited. <laughs> <laughs> as it does to most fans, I would say. Uh, but I think as you've been going back to uh, the Premier League all the time, let's talk about the club that plugs at your heartstrings, Southampton, who yes. were <laughs> who were as low as 19th last season. And again, as you mentioned, the 9-0 loss to Leicester. But then yeah, they did, for bringing that yeah. up again. I, I mentioned it once. <laughs> you mentioned it. <laughs> I did. It was me that mentioned it. I <laughs> Yeah, so again, but they kept faith in Hassan Huttle and managed to finish 11th and just a brilliant phase of team performance, and which was led by Danny Ings, of course. And then again, this season, they they seem to have picked up from where they have left off with an impressive start, the fifth, uh, with an impressive draw against Wolves, I would say. I think they were just knocking on the door, but just not the night to get the three points, but um, again, even without Danny Ings, that's that's super impressive. But talk well, about your view on the progression of the team. Uh, well, that's uh, you know, if if Theo Walcott could have stuck that second one away, we'd right? be third by now. That's 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 the thing. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, as a Southampton fan, you you every now and then we have 
uh, moments of uh, of glory. Um, <laughs> they don't always last. They don't always last very long. Um, I, what I'm finding, particularly, this is just me. I'm, what I'm particularly finding gorgeous right now is the fact that Theo Walcott has been loaned back to the side where where it all started for him. And when I was a kid, Southampton had the reputation of being a side where players would come in the autumn of their careers and and have a little late bloom. I uh, saw so many players come and, and be brilliant there. Kevin Keegan, after his uh, time at Hamburg and after his time at Liverpool, coming back, helping Southampton to second back in the uh, early to mid-80s. Um, another one that came there was uh, Alan Ball. Players mm-hmm. like him, like uh, Charlie George, Peter Osgood, all these players that were seen by most people or most a lot of pundits as, as, as sort of being on their way out and in the autumn of their career they, they'd come to Southampton and there'd be this late bloom and Southampton would harness that and and, and use it to to keep themselves in in the top flight um so for me the the whole Theo Walcott being back at Southampton thing is it gives me gives me a nice warm uh, uh schmoozy feeling right it does feel, it does feel like there's more romance when it comes to supporting a team that you know you've all you've grown up supporting and even if they're not doing well you do have that attachment to maybe these little patterns that follow along with the team well you see i you know again i'll i'll, I'll bring you back to your Bayern movies. um <laughs> right. you know how many of the uh, 25 uh, DFB Cups do you remember particularly? How um, many? <laughs> it, well, yeah, you just remember. Oh, yeah. Uh, one of the things that um, perhaps it's an apocryphal story is that somebody somebody said they 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 lost all respect for Arsenal when they heard when they heard two. Uh, it was the year one. Of, it was the year 2003 when Southampton were in the in the, got their way to to the FA Cup final. Uh, for the first time since uh, the 70s. Um, two Arsenal fans were overheard talking and one said to the other, are you going to the cup final this year? And the other one says, no, I don't think I'll bother this year. That's the, you know, when Southampton were there, they stayed in the stadium. OK, we lost 1-0. They stayed in the stadium longer. They sang the whole time uh, and had a brilliant day out. And, and there are lots of other clubs that do have that sort of similar thing. All, all the all the less fashionable uh, clubs, you you do remember the highs way more. Mm-hmm. You, you you know when when you, you said to me uh, then about uh, Southampton being top of the table after uh, I think it was about six or so uh, games. Yeah. With uh, we had like fifteen points or something like that. Took a photo of it. Um, when people asked me about that, I said, Yeah. Do you know what? That's fifteen points we won't need at the end of the season to keep our noses out of the relegation battle it, it you know there is a certain you know if 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 Bayern were in fifth with 17 points uh people would be tearing their hair out and 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 thinking that the end of the world had come it's, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. a different different perspective so I'm you know, I'm always optimistic with Southampton I always think the Saints have got a chance of getting a, one of those last Europa League places if we have a good season and we've certainly got a very good coach in Ralph Hasenhutl. Um, uh, congratulations, by the way, on being able to pronounce his name way better than 90% of people that work for the, Euro, uh, for the, for the uh, EP, uh, English Premier League. Um, <laughs> a lot of my colleagues so insist on calling him Ralph Hasenhutl, uh, which drives me, of course, as a German speaker, absolutely bonkers. And, and Derek Ray, I'm sure, will, uh, will agree with me. Um, <laughs> but I'm always optimistic about Southampton, a season where we're fifth after nine games. Uh, 
pretty much says to me that we're not going to be in danger of getting relegated this year. I hope I'm not uh, proven horribly wrong. But, the commentator's uh, curse. The curse of the commentator, <laughs> as you know, is is absolutely uh, yes. Oh, they were fifth at Christmas and then they got relegated. Oh no, I can't have that. Um, yeah. But, uh, we've got a good a good a good coach and a squad of players who seem to have bonded nicely. Um, and uh, you know that's that's something to go back to Bayern and uh, and, and Dortmund. Uh, there is a certain in, in all of them. There's a very strong sense of team. Uh, mm-hmm. At the moment, uh, you, you always get that with Bayern because they are something special. They know they're something special. Uh, but Dortmund, they, they, their young guns are, are are very exciting. What they what they need to um, do to to mount a challenge, in my opinion, is 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 to learn from the more ma- mature uh, players, the Mats Hummels and the Emre Chans, uh, for when it's not going quite so well, because those are the games. We all, we all talk about Der Klassiker and uh, the Revere Derby for, for, for Dortmund, but those aren't the games that let Dortmund down when they're pushing a, Definitely. a challenge on. It's, it's the 1-1 draw with Mainz on a, on a Monday night um, or losing at the last minute to uh, Hoffenheim. Um, those kind of games are, are where the championship or where the title is won and lost, I feel. And it's all about consistency. And Bayern are, are also for my money, pretty much the only team in the Bundesliga that can grind out those results. How often do we see Bayern draw like yesterday, uh, like last weekend against Bremen, and then oop, Le- Leipzig slip up? Okay, right. Dortmund did, did did what they had to, which means it's still exciting at the top. But, you know, Le- Leipzig will be kicking themselves. But that's that's one of those typical uh, um, problems that, that that happens. You you haven't got that consistency. That's that's where that's the reason they're not top of the league is because they can't beat Frankfurt. Otherwise, they right. would have been in in first place or joint first place anyway. Very true. It it almost feels like a matter of time before the team competing with Bayern slips up. That's Which, it. Yeah. Which isn't uh, which isn't a great place for a Bayern fan to be because whenever our our team stumbles and we talk about it it's like just you know you're gonna win anyways and it, it does get a bit annoying when fans just don't let you celebrate the moment but yeah <laughs> Bayern is in a, a situation where they do have an aura about them and not like not just in the league not just in Germany but in on the European scale and I think that factor does play into any game they go into but back to Southampton so where do you think this team goes? Like they do have this solid crop of players. They have a, a solid midfield. They're flying an attack defensively. They could use some work, but but they do look solid. Where do you think this team ends up near the end of the season? Well, as lo- as long as Liverpool don't come in at Christmas and buy Danny Inks back, um... <laughs> that'd be the most Liverpool thing to happen. <laughs> um, well, you know a lot. Even though we've just sort of signed contract extensions to various different players, uh, James Ward Prowse, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm, I will definitely go out on a limb and say that we are in for a top ten finish this season. Um, the way uh, Ralph's got us playing, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, put us out of uh, finishing fifth or sixth this season. Wow. I was hoping you'd say top six. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it, it's certainly possible because uh, we talked about mentality earlier on, and and 
there is there is that thing. If if you're winning and you're doing well and the team's playing well together, you continue to play well together. You continue to do well. You might say, yeah, we we could have possibly or should have had probably all three points against uh, Wolves. But those are the games that a couple of years ago we'd have lost two one in the mm-hmm. last minute. Um, Southampton last season gave up so many goals in the last sort of 15 minutes of games and, and s- snatching snatching draws and defeats from mm-hmm. uh, the jaws of victory uh, but I, I think we're a little more less naive this season I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that's that's going to continue you never know we've got Manchester United next anything could happen in that one anything could happen neither team I wouldn't put my money on either team in that case as, lo- as long as Manchester United turn up in their grey kit we'll be fine <laughs> Good point there. But like again, as I said before, that your connection to Southampton as a team is palpable. Any stories that come to your mind when you look back at your younger days? I think the one story that's not related to Southampton, but you have put out there is the London accommodation story. <laughs> ah, yes, that's that. You, you've read that one as well. That's uh, that's good. Um, Southampton for me was. Uh, the only I could only ever be a Southampton fan because my entire family supported them. My grandfather had a season ticket. My dad used to watch them in the third division uh, many, many, many moons ago. And when the family would gather, they'd all go off and uh, the, they'd even take a, a like a stool for my uh, cousin, slightly elder cousins to stand on to watch the game. They never took me with them. I was always terribly jealous. Um, my dad used to repair shoes, as I mentioned. He's, he's repaired right. quite a few of the Southampton players' boots over the years. Wow, Back in the days right. when boots were repaired rather than just thrown away and a new pair taken out of the <laughs> box. Um, my stories, uh, one of my favourite stories is uh, when Southampton won the cup and they drove through the city on the open top bus. and we, uh, My dad b- bought some big flags to wave and I've still, I've still got the one flag on my wall in my office so that's over 30 years more than th- oh god 40 years old <laughs> <laughs> more than 40 1976 yeah that's quite a way away um i've still got those i've still got the uh, the rosettes and the program and the the video and the dvd <laughs> but uh growing up in like any 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 young young man in uh, uh Northern Europe, you have you have your football team, your local football team, and you also have the people in your school that have moved there from a different area, and so they would, you know, I know I think nobody would support Southampton unless you had a a particular tie either with your family or or with the city that you maybe studied there once. I mean, I for instance, my my outside team now is uh, Inverness Caledonian Thistle, who play right. in the uh, uh, in the second Scottish. Uh, league um because my daughter is up at uh inverness at uh, at university so i kind of vicariously follow them that way i i also follow the the bees brentford because i lived in london for 10 years just up the road in ealing uh mm-hmm. and they were sort of i could have chosen queen's park rangers i suppose but but because brentford played in red and white stripes like southampton i i i kind of adopted them as my team there so I, I suppose everybody does that if you're a football fan you, you you kind of have teams that you keep your eye on right uh, but yeah i mean that's quite a touching story that you said about southampton um back to commentating and one of the most important questions i had was what's your process before a game like what is the prep like before a game for phil bonnie well this week for example first thing you do is you uh, you talk to raul on 
the internet about <laughs> what it is. To when Wednesday, uh, if, we, if we go for like from today, Wednesday will be this evening. I will, uh, after I've, I've got another, uh, actually, I'm, I won't be able to stay talking too long because in about uh, right. 10, 15 minutes, I've got another uh, where I'm recording uh, the Bundesliga preview show that uh, right. I'm sure you, you'll all get to see. Um, so this evening, I will lay out my uh, commentating block. I, I use a, a sketching pad, A3 sketch pad that I write at the top. You might have seen um, mm-hmm. some pictures of, of that on the internet. But at the top, I write information about the game, right. general information. And uh, when, when the match day comes, I, I have uh, address labels is what they are, but I've adapted them for every player. And so I've got uh, every team uh, in on file, as it were, and every player um, with all his details. So what I'll start to do then is I'll start to... Uh, identify the team that will probably uh, be there on the Saturday, including the substitutes, uh, and start little, just gleaning little bits of information off the internet. But a lot of a lot of the time, um, my, my research is, is internet based. So on, on a mm-hmm. Sunday, after finishing commentating, if I've been commentating on the Sunday, I'll on the Monday, generally take a bit of a rest and use that to catch up with the other games that have been going on uh listen to all uh the other games in the bundesliga and look and see right. how my fantasy football team have done uh <laughs> and and whether or not my predictions were anywhere close to being right or not um tuesday is normally free and mm. uh, yeah wednesday is when it starts to get going again and so i'll start to prepare that that block then but m- most of my most of my work is 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 just gleaning little things off uh, off of the internet and you won't believe right. it but while i'm talking to you now if you hear my mouse clicking it's because i'm looking at uh, <laughs> various various uh, the kicker website in in, right. in german and, and the bundesliga obviously our, our bundesliga website just to keep an eye and see anything that's happening um the uh Friday is is pretty much my holy day as far as preparation is concerned. You can't really get me to do anything on a Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the day that I, I put everything together. Uh, and so I, when I'm ready and when I'm in the studio an hour before the game kicks off or if I'm in the stadium an hour before the game kicks off, we get given the, the lineups. Uh, and then I take my my address stickers uh, uh, and stick them in, into my onto my pad mm-hmm. so that I've got them all firmly in front of me and there's no chance that the wind's going to blow them away uh and right. yeah it's it's an ongoing thing there's a lot of internet research but it, it, the thing is because it's so much fun it you read it and 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 you remember it and right. it doesn't actually feel like you've been doing any work but it but it is if the worst thing is when you go if like a summer holiday and you go away for two or three weeks and, and don't have any uh, contact with the internet and you don't know what's going on then that can be quite quite work intensive when you actually get back to a place where you can get the internet right again as you just said that you know it doesn't feel like what it just feels like like you're living the dream that maybe a 10 year old Phil Bonnie would have you know would have had uh, being a recognized voice in football you know a role so many people would aspire to take on as a fan do you just have a step back and ponder over the sheer surreality of it Absolutely. Um, as as you as you know, as as I said, I never played football to any particularly huge standard. Um, but what what gives me an absolute blast is that my my understanding of the game, uh, my enthusiasm for the game, and uh, everything that I bring 
in, in, in my my job, when, when, you, when you're sat there watching a game of football with somebody who captained their country, maybe like Steve Chirindolo right. uh, or, or Stefan Freund or Patrick Ovalmoyela, guys that played for their country and, and, and world-renowned, uh, when they, they say, yeah, you're, you're exactly right there, Phil. Uh, that, to me, that, that makes the fan in me just go to completely melt. It's, it's, it's an incredible feeling. Uh, yeah, I, I, as I said, I, that, that's why, obviously, commentators uh, have uh, COCOM, uh, COCOMs with them because those, those guys really know how it works. They've got the, mm-hmm. they've got the T-shirt, they've got the, the medals, they've, they've got the injuries and the scar tissue to show. <laughs> <laughs> right. and they, they know exactly how it all fits together. But w- when we're working there as a team, it's, it, it's, it's very nice to, to, to have the acceptance of real former professionals uh, that, that f- think that what you or that agree with what you say or or, or not sometimes as the case mm-hmm. may be uh, Stefan Freund and I very often just for the hell of it will disagree with one another <laughs> <laughs> and he'll say no no I don't, I don't think you did that at all I don't think that was right at all Phil and, and I'll argue <laughs> my point and he'll argue his point uh, although I think he probably normally wins <laughs> oh, yeah, that just sounds incredible last question to just wrap this truly insightful show up how important is your legacy to you and what would you like it to be? Oh, that's, that's, that's a question no one's ever asked me before. That's, uh, well, my legacy. Um, I just hope that I haven't commentated all of the classic games that I'm to commentate to this point. Mm-hmm. I mean, I realise right. that I'm quite well, quite well known for, for, for Robert Lewandowski's five goals in uh, nine minutes, which... I'm, made... I'm sorry, what was that like? What was that like? Because that's one of the most <laughs> important games for my fandom. So I just well, want to know, like, what was that like? It was just incredible. It was an, <laughs> it was an incredible game. I, I commentated most of the second half standing up. But uh, yeah. it's... Um, Football, I, I'm, I'm, you've probably heard me mention this in, or been interviewed about it before. Footballers, uh, commentators like footballers ha- have good days and we have bad days. Um, right. I'll, give you, I'll tell you, I'll give you a brilliant example. Um, two weekends back, I commentated uh, Leverkusen against Gladbach. And I was so astounded and amazed by the scorpion kick that Lazario did. I, I, I really didn't sort of say anything much at all. I was like, oh, nice goal. <laughs> <laughs> it just caught me totally by surprise. I was looking down or looking across at it. Stefan Freund was the same. It was, oh, oh, how, wow. Oh, it's a goal. And there was no sort of complete normal sort of uh, Phil shouting going on. But the thing about the Lewandowski goals were was that it was one of those days where he was on form. And uh, I like to think I was as well. I just, I didn't get the feeling that I missed anything particularly. And, and, in the end, the final, the final goal, the, you just can't be that good. Just, just, I don't yeah. know, it's nothing. I, I'm not one of those commentators that prepares something to say. I, I in, in moments of, uh, mm-hmm. um, I'm sure some, some of them do. I don't know. I couldn't tell you who for a start, but I'm, I'm sure it must be something that I've thought about in the past, but then it sounds to me so unnatural. So whenever I say things, they're, they're just off the cuff. Uh, and it was, uh, I got lucky, you know, it was, it was a particularly, uh, uh, speculative uh, effort and and it was it, it it came over very well and and people have sort of latched onto it um if that's my if that is my legacy if that's the one you, you know um i'll be very happy that people will think back and go oh wow that was a game and what a goal and 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 the commentator did it justice um but it's it's the football that really should be the center of of the right. attention i mean it's it's robert lewandowski's skill uh 
that is to be to be amazed at there i just i just uh, I'm, I'm very grateful to be able to help the moment uh, become um, even more exciting in people's memories uh, obviously I, I don't know about you but when i watch football now on a clip that appears on twitter or somewhere if it, if it doesn't have commentary on it it just it doesn't sound right to me uh, obviously true. i can do I can do the own, my own commentary in my head, but that's not quite as much fun as listening to one of my colleagues get uh, very excited about something. Right. I, I think your legacy is just deeper than that moment. I think what you, I mean, from going from acting to uh, to voiceover to this, I think I, th- I think there's a lot to take from what you do. And and from my perspective, it's it was, this is an absolute honor to 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 do the show with you and to maybe pick your brain for an hour about the beautiful games. Thank you for giving me your time, sir. <laughs> Absolutely a pleasure. And I think you'll find most of my colleagues are also open to all you have to do is reach out uh, and ask uh, uh, over Twitter and they will either say yes or they'll say no. Um, But uh, Mm. a lot of them I know, like me, we're we're all quite happy to, uh, you know, as I said before, we we all quite like the sound of our own voices. But uh, absolute pleasure. Anytime. Perfect way to wrap the show up. Thank you so much, sir, for giving me your invaluable time. That's and an absolute pleasure for me too. And uh, I hope uh, I hope you get a, a lot of clicks and a lot of people enjoy listening to what we were talking about. There you go. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in. Uh, I hope this was insightful and I hope to see you in the next one. Bye.